0: Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. As we get started this morning, um, I'm going to quickly, quickly summarize What we've been talking about, and I'm not trying to rush, but I am kind of on the clock because the guys want to go, yeah, we we, want to go watch the pirates kick some blue jay tail today. So, all right, here's the deal. We've been talking about the next step that the disciples took that made them go from hiding in a room for fear of the Jews to literally sharing, you know, the gospel with the Jews. I mean, this was and here's here's the thing. It's important that we understand what what happened there, like how powerful that was, because a lot of people will say that, you know, uh, this this is one of the hardships that we have with understanding the Bible and what's in it uh, and, and trusting the men who wrote it. And if you understand that these guys went from literally, like we, we read about, they were hiding in a room for fear of the Jews, and then they went to, like, literally going to those people they were hiding from, the people they thought were going to take their jobs, have them thrown in jail, possibly kill them, because they had just, you know, from their perspective, killed Jesus, so they were in fear of their lives. But then they went to this point where we're not hiding from these people, we're standing in front of them and preaching to them about Jesus. And and it would be the equivalent of... and. I'm not trying to over-sensationalize uh, sesh- uh, huh. this, but I, I, I really think you guys need to understand. Did you guys, anyone here on the news, and anytime you start talking about race, people get uncomfortable. But uh, any, did you guys hear on the news about the KKK and sending out more inserts and trying to recruit people? Everyone know what the KKK is, right? Okay. Uh, now, uh, imagine this if you would. Imagine if, because I am, you know, black pastor. Uh, <laughs> Shocking (laughs) with a white wife, a beautiful one at that, preaching to a white congregation. So imagine if you would, if one day, Kristen and I walk out and there's like burning crosses and threatening letters from the KKK on our front lawn, right? That'd be, imagine if they're like sending threatening, we're going to kill you and kill your wife. So we imagine if we went into hiding And instead of, you know, every Sunday just showing up here, because I know they're looking for me, uh, I would just send videotaped messages to the tech team, and they would put them up on Sunday because I was in hiding and nobody knew where I was because I was in fear for my life and for my family from the KKK, which, by the way, that would be a great movie. Not that I support the KKK, but, okay, so, uh, I mean, imagine that. That's the kind of fear that the disciples had. Now, picture if one Sunday... You show up, there's the videotape message from Floyd. We still don't know where he is. Next Sunday, there's the videotape message from Floyd. He's still in hiding. They must still be after him. The next Sunday, you show up, and I'm standing here, and I am telling you guys that hey, you know what? KKK, great place to get started. You should join. And then you go home, and you look on your TV. And there's me with my hat turned back saying, get up off the couch. You know you want to make the call. Call and join the KKK. Have you seen those commercials? Call and join the KKK. Afterwards, Christy is sitting there with the little headphone on saying, I'm so glad you enjoyed that commercial. If you want to call and join the KKK, the number is right there on your screen. You would be like, what in the ham sandwich happened to make Floyd go from hiding from the KKK, something Crazy must have happened because now he's like all for it, right? There there had to be some tremendous change, and that's literally what happened to the apostles. They went from literally hiding for fear of their lives, threatening being thrown in jail, killed, and they already saw Jesus killed, so it wasn't like they won't kill us. They're like, yeah, they'll kill us. But then they flipped the script and went to, like, hey, I gotta. I can't hide anymore. I have to go out, and not only am I not going to hide, I'm going to go to the people that are trying to kill me and just proclaim, "Hey, Jesus is alive." And we and, and we were talking about the fact that here's the thing: they took some profound next steps, and here are some of the next steps they took. And we talked about this last week. Uh, they got involved in authentic community, okay? Not just um, showing up. At one place every now and then they became a community of believers a community of people authentic community being authentic being real with one another community being there for one another and we talked about how over and over and over they were willing to sell things put their homes and cars and all that stuff up for sale in order to meet the needs of one another not to buy a building to meet in and to expand the building but to expand the kingdom For the sake of the people that were meeting together. And then they also did, that was part of the extreme generosity. They were giving of their time, their talents, and their treasure. And again, it wasn't about, because when we think of church today, this is not the way they did church. They didn't have a guy standing up there on a microphone and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, The church wasn't about a building. It was the people coming together to meet one another's needs. So when they gave their time, their talents, and their treasure, they were doing it for the people. And then there was, of course, passionate spirituality. They had a culture, rather than a day where they worship God, they created a culture where regularly, consistently, they spent time together, fellowship, hanging out with one another, in prayer, and in God's word. Now, out of that, One of the best ways, this is what we're going to talk about today, that they demonstrated the the next step that they took and that really impacted not just their community, but the surrounding people around them who didn't know God, was that they stepped up to serve God. And here's the thing, God doesn't just talk about, hey, I hope that you serve. I want you to serve. What God says is, hey, I am intentionally preparing you and equipping you so that you can serve. Now, when we think of serve, we tend to think of, when I think, I'll tell you what I think of, because I, I don't know what you think of. When I think of serve, the first thing that comes to mind to me is cutting the grass, um, because even though I'm doing it for the church, I hate it with a passion. I mean, I hate it, hate it. I would be fine if there were weeds growing up as long as I didn't have to cut the grass and I could just push them aside and get to the building. Uh, I know that's not the way it's supposed to be, But I just hate it with a passion. It's like one of the most, I'm like, why are we, I feel like we're fighting against God because God's making it grow and we're cutting it down. God's making it grow. But something you got to do. I get that, okay? But to me, in my mind, initially, when it comes to serving is, here's this thing that needs to be done. And even though I hate doing it, I'll just go do it better be happy, God, because I'm here. I could have been sleeping in. I'm doing this thing. That's not the kind of service that we're talking about, okay? Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to turn to the book of Acts. So if you want to grab it, um, pull a Bible out. If you don't have one, there's one under your seat in front of you, to the left or the right of you, behind you. But before there, I want to explain serving, and then I want to look at what happened when they started serving in the church, all right? So in the book of Acts, or excuse me, in the book of Ephesians, this is what Paul writes, all right? He says, it is he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. What Paul is telling this church in Ephesus, he says it was seeming in Christ, he gave these positions, or these roles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the reason why Christ has these roles in the church is to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. The only reason these functions and roles exist is to equip you, the church, to do what God has called you to do. Now, here's the thing. Most people will be like, well, I don't know what God has called me to do because I don't have a gift. That's not true. God gives every believer a spiritual gift. You may not know what that gift is yet, but he gives to everyone because here's what Peter says. Each one, not just the leader ones, not just the older ones, not just the been a part of the church for the longest time ones, but each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now, I have had one pastor tell me, because I was like, I don't understand, um, what gifts is he talking about? And you can look through scripture and find specific spiritual gifts. But what he told me, and this makes sense in the context of the way that's used, he says, if you, God has given you a gift, and I'm using the extreme, to blink one eye, repeatedly, only one, while standing on one leg, if you can find a way to use that for God, do it. And we typically think of, you know, just specific gifts because you think of worship leader, you think of musician, you think of teacher, you think of children's ministry. But if you look at the world at large, there are so many more gifts and talents than just those ones. But we're called, whatever gift God gives us, we're called to use it. And this is what it says in the book of Acts chapter 1. Uh, Luke, in writing the book of Acts, um, records what Jesus says. He says, but you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. Now, here's what he's saying. You're going to receive your spiritual gift. You're going to receive power through the Holy Spirit. He's going to come on you. He's going to give you the ability to use that gift, the efficiency, and the might. You're not going to be like, wow, I have this gift, but I don't know how to use it. He's going to give you everything that you need through the power of the Holy Spirit to use this gift. And he makes it key that there's kind of like a correlation. And you shall be my witnesses. And we've talked about this before. If you're not really seeing the Holy Spirit active in your life, it's possible you're not using your life as a witness. If you are using your life as a witness, you're going to see God multiply and amplify those gifts that you have so that your witness for Jesus Christ points back to him. And it, it's, it's, it's like a, the more you use your life as a witness, the more God is going to amp up the role of the Holy Spirit active in your life so that people who see you use your life as a witness are going to be pointed back to him. Now, here's the thing. That word witness... It literally, it literally is the Greek word martus. It's the same word that we use for martyr. And when you think of martyr, you think of someone who has given their life for Jesus Christ. But in this aspect, it's a witness, someone who is displaying their life for Jesus Christ. That means when I see you using your gift, I'm like, wow, how in the world is he doing that? And, and, and it's because of God's Holy Spirit working in you. Now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, okay, this is going to be a little bit weird, but um, because usually when you talk to like good old fashioned Baptist folks, Presbyterian folks, generally Protestant folks, and you, ta- you start talking about spiritual gifts or spiritual anything, you either get blank stares or they look away like he can't be talking to me because he's talking about the Holy Spirit or they just get weirded out. I mean, does that make sense? I mean, we're, in, we're all here in the presence of God. Let's be open and honest. Uh, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many people have heard weird things with respect to, you know, like people rolling in the floors and that weird some people out. Okay, thank you for being honest. Okay, and for, for people like, oh, you know, they slam you in the head and you fall and all this kind of stuff. And it tends to make people weird. So whenever you start talking about being filled with God's Holy Spirit or God- Using His Holy Spirit to do spiritual things through you, it makes people feel uncomfortable. Okay, now let me address something really quick because I want to share a biblical truth with you. And uh, you, you, well, yeah, raise your hand. How many people have a Baptist background? Raise your hand. I'm not, I'm not gonna like embarrass you or anything. Uh, this is what I want. This is just, just everybody else can listen in. But for those folks with a Baptist background, okay. I I just want you to really zero in because you're the ones that I'm talking to uh, really quick. Matthew chapter 3, all right? This is, you know, John the Baptist. All the Baptists have heard of him, right? If not, you may not have a Baptist background, okay? But John the Baptist, uh, he's out there and he's baptizing people. uh, And then here's what he says. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me, and he's referring to Jesus, is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The first person in the New Testament church to bring up the topic of being baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, John the Baptist. Okay, John the Baptist literally prophesied this is going to happen. You are going to the word baptized literally, literally means immersed. Okay? He literally prophesied. I'm baptizing you, immersing you with water. Jesus is going to immerse you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay? John the Baptist, first person to bring that conversation to the table in the New Testament. Alright? Then, in the book of Acts, and this is right before he ascended, this is Jesus talking to all of his. Uh, Disciples, This is what he says. He says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard this from me. God promised it. You heard it from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So John prophesied about it. And Jesus said that God has promised that what John prophesied about, It's going to happen. It's going to come. It's not a someday in a future age of the church thing. He says, not many days from now, this is going to come. And then if you're familiar with the book of Acts in chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all, every single one of them, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. John, who the Bible calls a preacher of righteousness, prophesied that this was going to happen. That there would be this time when followers would be baptized or immersed, John the Baptist, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. God promised it was going to happen, and here we see literally the fulfillment of what John the Baptist prophesied. So if you're one of the good old-fashioned Baptist folks, embrace your Holy Spirit heritage, all right? John the Baptist prophesied that, hey, this whole Holy Spirit thing is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's not a bad thing. It's not a weird thing. Don't let, you know, the TV evangelists and all this kind of stuff take something away from you that is meant to be yours n- literally filled with God's Holy Spirit utilizing the gifts of the Spirit that God gives us for his kingdom and there are so many you know Protestant people that when you start talking about that they get a little bit weirded out and they start thinking you know well I don't want it you know the whole the, the speaking and tongues and the rolling on the floor and the whole blah blah blah, and the snake charmer thing and you know, what if I get bit and I die? Does that mean God doesn't exist? Am I going to hell? Because uh, all that stuff, put all that aside, okay? Just trust in God, okay? All right, so now let me move on because I want to show you what it looks like when people literally have used their gifts, gifts that, spiritual gifts that God has given them for the kingdom, all right? So um, if you have a Bible, turn to um, Acts chapter six, book of Acts chapter six, And in verse 1, this is what it says. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, notice that as people are using their gifts, then more people are becoming disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And the number, uh, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of few. Now, let me just stop there for a minute because one of the first things that, that I hear from people, and it it frustrates me, apparently I'm easily frustrated, but it frustrates me is that people complain, well, I don't like going to church. Or I don't like the church because there's always all these arguments and, and all that stuff. That's not a church thing. It's a people thing. Wherever you have people, you're going to have people who disagree. And it's not just because they're coming from different backgrounds and different experiences because if that were the case, everyone in your house would always agree. Does everyone in your house always agree on everything? <laughs> I will take the laughter as a no, and I will take everyone else who is silent that you're going to talk about on the way home. But not everyone in the same household agrees. It's not a church thing. It's a people thing. But as we're about to read, the good thing about the church is when there's a disagreement, then we have access through the Holy Spirit and through God to bring resolution because one of the things the church is about is reconciliation. It's not about, hey, we disagree, so we're done. It's about reconciliation. So here's what happens next, all right? So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, now first notice, it wasn't just a couple of them. It wasn't just the leaders. It was the leaders saying, let's bring all the disciples, the congregation together and let's address this, okay? So he says, all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Sorry, I just lost my place in my page. Hold on. Sorry. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, here's the interesting thing. He says it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. And I've heard people say that that's a derogatory term, the way that they're uh, they're talking about it. And it's, 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 it's not derogatory. Basically, here's what he's saying. Hey, the word waiting on tables is literally minister to tables, that phrase. If you look it up in the, in the Greek, it's minister to tables. And I think the word is the same word that we use for deacons. So it's not saying derogatory. When we you know, deacons, when you think of deacons, those are people who serve in a church. And basically, what they're saying is they say, if we serve here, then we're neglecting the gift that God has given us to use here. And what happens usually in the church is that people, congregation, expect the leaders to do everything. And they're saying, no, we have a role here. But we need all of you to get involved and do your role, use the gifts that God has given you to do these things. Now, uh, here's, this is so cool. Notice that the, the, the men that they picked, they, they had specific criteria, okay? Because whenever people are talking about spiritual gifts, there's always this thing of, well, how do I know what my spiritual gift is? How do I know? And, and, and you can go on the, if you Google spiritual gift test, you'll come up with literally hundreds of different things saying you should do this, you should do that, you should do this. I'm not taken away from them because I haven't studied those hundreds of things. I'm saying you should do what they did in the Bible. When they said pick men to serve, uh, here's what they said. They said first, pick men who are known to have this this spiritual gift. In other words, it's one thing thing if like, for example, um, you know, your spouse or your mother says, oh, you have such a wonderful voice you can sing. And these are the people that end up on American Idol. Uh, But you have such a wonderful voice you can sing. You're so great. You should go on that show. And then if everyone else is kind of like, I don't don't see it. You don't want to wait until you're in front of national, you know, on a national TV show to find out that maybe I can't sing. (laughs) That maybe I should have, listen, you know, had other people give their input, but they specifically said, Hey, you're looking for people who are known. Other people can say, yeah, I see this thing in you. They also picked people who had that were spirit filled, filled with God's Holy spirit. And they also picked people who were wise because just because you have a gift or a talent doesn't mean you know how to apply the gift or a talent. And we all work for people or have worked for people. I should say, that just because they're in that position doesn't mean they know exactly what they're doing. And you don't have to say anything. We'll just, we'll just leave that there, okay? Now, here's the thing. Uh, this is really cool. This is really cool. So people ask, what should I do in order to find my spiritual gifts? They picked people who were known, full of the Spirit, and wise. Follow that rule. Ask other people, what are you known for? What talents or gifts do they see? Not what do you think you're good at, because if you're like me, you have a list this big of things I think I'm good at. Okay, just me, because, right. But other people might look and say, yeah, you're, only, you're, you're good at this and this. But if you've got several people saying, hey, you're good at this and this, then maybe that's something you're good at. So what are other people saying about it? What are other people saying that you're known for? And also, are they spiritual gifts? What does God's Holy Spirit? A lot of people will go out, and and this is, I'm not going to say any names even though it's no one here. Um, They will go out, and they will try to take on roles within the church. And they said, well, everyone else said I was good at this. Oh, what happened when you prayed about it? Well, I didn't pray about it. Well, if it's a spiritual gift, shouldn't you ask the Holy Spirit, hey, is this the gift that you want me to use? Is this the thing that you want me to use to serve the kingdom, to serve this church, or to serve in this ministry role? Now, as, as Shirley brought up, this is pretty cool. I want to I show you this because I wanted to um, put this picture up here. These were the youth that were, were singing at the National Day of Prayer, and again, they killed it. They were awesome. They were phenomenal and uh, the first girl with the guitar, she was kind of leading the thing, and the first thing that impressed me is that, hey, they didn't have any, she didn't have any music in front of her. She was just going, and her, you know, dad and mom said, it's a spiritual gift. She didn't train for this. She hasn't, like, spent years trying to, it's a spiritual gift. God has spoken to her that this is, this is a gift I've given you, and you're to use it for the kingdom, and, and she remembers the music. She plays the music. She has a passion for it. That's great. Uh, the other girl uh, originally had an like an iPhone reading music from but but also very gifted great voice very talented here's what's cool the guy in the green shirt that's the guy that came up and prayed at the end he was like a he was like Chuck's mini me literally i mean not just because he looks like Chuck but like he could just play like crazy and he didn't have any music in front of him and he was like Look at all the places. He was just like throwing down musically um, and it was just phenomenal. And I came up to talk to him, or he came over and I was talking to him afterwards. I was like, You remind me so much of Chuck until he got up and and prayed because Chuck would never do that. But that was cool. The coolest thing was this guy on the end. I know there's a, a music stand in front of him. You can't see it. He's got a banjo, is what he played. I was like, are you seriously going to play the banjo? He's like, no, I'm not going to play it today, but I do play. And then, once these guys got up there, he pulled it out and got up there. And I was like, why? I, I thought you weren't going to play. He said, well, I didn't rehearse with them, and I don't know the songs they're going to sing. And he literally killed it. He just, and, and there was a guy, the guy who was running the sound, and we were sitting in the back. And as they were trying to practice, literally, they played the first line of the first song like 10 times. They kept stopping to laugh, talk, yada, jada. They're youth. And we were literally saying the Holy Spirit has really got to take control of this because otherwise it's just not going to happen. It's going to be worse than a train wreck. It's going to be like Chernobyl, just blow up, nukes there. And they were on point. They were nervous. They were on point. They just went easily through and they just, Holy Spirit, just use their gifts to make it happen. Okay. The next, the next thing is to ask yourself, Hey, so what do other people know you for? Um, definitely pray about it, because if the Holy Spirit is giving you those gifts, then you definitely need to check in with him. But also what's really cool is um, wisdom, because wisdom is the application of the knowledge. If you have a skill, but you really don't know how to use it, and it really, I mean, it, 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 it irritates you and gets you angry and frustrated to use it, That may not be what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. And when we were talking about the board members last week, John asked me afterwards, he was like, are you getting burned out? Because we were saying these board members are serving or whatever. He's like, are you getting burned out? I was like, no, I mean, I may get frustrated sometimes, apparently, easily, but I don't get burned out because I literally love what I am doing. I, 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 I live, breathe, drink, eat, in addition to comic books, superheroes, and technology, the word of God, and, and, and love looking for creative ways to share. Okay, here's what God's word says, and here's how much God loves you, and here's how God wants to help heal your, your, your body and how he can be a part of your life. And I, I love stuff like that. I, it, it, I, I get to do what I love all the time. I love it. Now, sometimes there are long hours associated with it. Sometimes there's, there's, there's tedious stuff associated with it, and I don't get frustrated at that. Sometimes I get frustrated that I may not be doing as good a job as God expects me to do or wants me to do, but I don't get frustrated at that because I enjoy it. I get frustrated at cutting the grass. I hate it with a passion, but that's I don't think that that's a totally different thing. Okay? So again, it's not one of these things, it's all of these things. If you're trying to find out, God, what spiritual gift do you want me to use? Have you given me so that I can expand your kingdom so I can share with people in my community so I can be a part of effectively, you know, helping to lift up my congregation? Then ask yourself, what am I known for? Ask other people. Um, Ask God, because if God's going to give it to you, it's a spirit-filled gift. And then ask yourself, hey, do I have the wisdom to actually do this thing? But let me jump back into this as we wind down, all right? Jump back to the book of Acts. Verse 5, so they said, hey, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to pull some of you guys, and you guys are going to do the work, which is the way the church is supposed to be. Everyone using their gifts. Verse 5, this proposal pleased the whole group. Now, here's the thing. Normally, in churches today, if you get someone saying, well, we need everyone to pitch in, everybody's not pleased. But this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And if you you say, this is what's really cool, if you say, well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is, I don't know how to help. Let's say our congregation. Pray. Pray for me. Pray for my family. Pray for the board. Pray for the team leaders. If you do nothing else, nothing else, pray. Pray for the people that are stepping forward, that God, I hope you're showing them the wisdom. I hope that they are following the prompting of your Holy Spirit. I hope that you're giving them the spirit of, of, of uh, what we said, efficiency and power and might, that they might not get frustrated doing what God called them to do. Because guess what? It, it, it's not like, you know, we get to do this occasionally. And it's not like we should be doing this only on Sunday. There are so many other things that ways that we could be reaching out but that's only going to happen if people are doing it. And if you say, well, I can't do anything, and I, and, and I get this, because when I go to visit like uh, uh, Margaret Miller and, and uh, Thelma Khan and other people, that's one of the things I, I, I literally beg them for. And I told that to when we did the National Day of Prayer. I said, hey, I'm not just asking you guys to pray for me and all the pastors. I am begging you to pray for us. We need your prayer. Nothing will happen in our own strength. If that was the case, then Jesus died in vain. If we could just go out and do it on our own. But pray for us. Intercede on our behalf. We need your prayers. Now, drop down to verse 7, last verse. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And this is what I'm talking about. This is so cool. The priests who were threatening to kill the disciples, the priests who, who whipped and beat them came to work alongside of them. And here's, here's what typically happens. This is, this is the way it works. When you start serving and using your gifts, then the word of God is, is spread. It just shares. It goes out. And when the Word of God goes out, then more people, discipleship happens, more people become followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. When that happens, then we're better able to fulfill our mission, okay? And for those of you who, I know you've heard this before, but if you're wondering, our mission is to be the church, literally. Just be the church, All that means is we want to share, show, and invite the love of Christ. We want to share the love of Christ with people, but we don't want to just talk about it. We want to show the love of Christ to people, and we want to invite people to be recipients of the love of Christ. That's our mission. Just be the church. That's it. And the more that people use their gifts and and, and discipleship, uh, the more that people use their gifts, the more people are able to see Christ at work. Now, I'm going to show you this video, and and while this video is playing, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask the band to come up. I want to close out with a time of prayer. But while this video is playing, here's what I want you to ask you to do. I want you to ask you to right now, just kind of, if you can imagine a door opening and closing right now, open the door to say, all right, God, how can I, is that the phone going off? Okay, wow. How can I serve? How can I use my spiritual gift? Or can you show me what spiritual gifts I can use to bless you and to bless the lives of others. And I guarantee you, here's what's going to happen. Two things are going to happen. One of two things is going to happen. You're going to start seeing gifts that, oh, yeah, I could do that, I could do that. And you'll say, hmm, maybe you're going to start seeing gifts. Yeah, I could do that, I could do that. And immediately you're going to start smacking them down. Like the little mole thing at the mall where you're playing the mole, whack a mole. You're going to start whacking them down one by one. Let God speak to your heart as this place. Did you notice that there were all age groups up there from young to old? Did you also notice that apparently being married to the pastor was a spiritual gift? <laughs> apparently. Uh, so, yeah, pray for Christy as well. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Because here's, 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 here is the reality in the way Western culture does church today. Number one reason why most people don't serve within their local congregation, number one reason, cross the board. They say, they say, nobody asked me. They hear the announcements. They hear the plea from the pulpit. They see the stuff in the bulletin. But they say, nobody asked me. So for right now, and I can kind of look everyone in the eye, except Victoria is looking down. Okay, got her too. So I'm kind of looking everyone in the eye and hear this. I am asking you that if you are willing and you feel God prompting you, I don't want anyone to serve reluctantly. That's the last thing anyone wants is a reluctant, you know, volunteer. And you are willing to serve. I'm asking you to do so. Just bow your heads for a moment. God, we pray that we would be, and we've prayed this before, and we will pray it again. We would be a congregation that acknowledges the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit acknowledges that you did not put your spirit in us so that we could sit in the chairs, but so that we could serve with our gifts to bless you and bless the lives of others. And God, we acknowledge that there is a calling on us to be the church, to fulfill our mission, to be the church, to share and to show the love of Christ and to invite people in our circles of influence to be recipients of Christ's law. God, we pray that you would be glorified this morning. We pray that as we leave here, in the moments and days and weeks to come, that you would speak to our hearts about areas that we could serve. We also pray that if we're already serving in an area and it's one where we're feeling frustrated or anxiety or we're feeling that's not the right role, that you would speak that to us as well because we don't want to be a reluctant servant. We want to serve you with all of our passion and might. So we pray that you would speak to our hearts and that we would be a congregation that you use to reach this community so that everyone would know that there is a God who loves them. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen.